all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you make your way up here uh, for your class, and all those who are threes, fours, and fives, if you make your way to the back, uh, you'll be heading with your class. So, good to see you guys. Um, this is the beginning of spring break. Uh, kids are, are not in school through this week, so I know a lot of our families are going. And I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of streaming. I mean, a lot who will be watching on the computer. So I'm just going to ask anyone who's watching from a different location, let us know where you are. Uh, just get, if you could get online, just say, hey, we're from... Uh, I can't. I can't remember where people were going, but I had all week saying, "Well, we're going to get away because of spring break and go spend time with our families," and we're glad of that. But we we see uh, uh, we we notice there's big holes, <laughs> and but I'm so glad that we're here. I'm so glad that we have this opportunity to be together and and to be able to worship. Um, here, it wasn't that long ago that Linda and I uh, had the encouragement from someone. Uh, to watch a TV show called Alone. How many of you are familiar with this show called Alone? We've enjoyed it. We've really enjoyed it. We've watched maybe three uh, or four seasons of this show. And basically, it's a reality TV show. There's a contest. Uh, they select 10 people to be involved. These people are, they have survival skills. And they're taken, taken out to the wilderness. I mean, difficult wilderness in various places around the world they're taken out and uh, uh, they are definitely that they're alone alone to deal with the elements you know we're talking about terrible weather from extremes uh, of just bitter cold and and rain and snow and and just all, lots of difficulties with that alone uh, in, in a location where there's not a lot of provisions that they have to, to, to bring up. And, and also with that, there are lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. You know, that kind of thing. There, there, are, there are animals out there. I think, I think the ones I've seen are, are definitely bears about everywhere that they've gone. There's pumas and bobcats and wolverines. And, and so there's a few of these people who are a lot tougher than I that didn't make it through day one. So I don't know, I probably wouldn't have gotten off the boat or the helicopter or anything like that. They say, yeah, I'm tapping out now, you know, just by the looks of things. That's how, how great, and I, I think maybe, maybe if it was a lot younger, maybe I'd have a chance. Anyway, this, this reminded me about the direction we're going in the next three chapters, 12, 13, and 14. Today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But, but in this, uh, the title I've entitled our sermon today is what rang into my ears. Is, is we're not alone. We are not alone. Uh, these guys were alone. I mean, they had to survive by themselves. And, and if they, I mean, under the circumstances, if, if they ran out of supplies and, and, and uh, uh, either were starving, they would have been pulled. Or if they hurt themselves, they would have been pulled. Or they could have just said, that's it, I give up. And, and they would go home. The last man standing was the one who won. And, and, but I thought about the church. Now, I'm not t thinking about individuals, but I'm thinking about the church. That we are not left to do what God has called the church to do alone. We are not left to do everything that God has called us to do. Uh, we are, we're not left alone to do it. 
and, and of course, we all know that's the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, God sent his Holy Spirit who, I mean, just some of the, the terms that he's given, he's called a helper, he's called an advocate, he's called a counselor, and he is here to assist the church. And one of the great topics uh, of discussion has been the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's the direction that Paul takes in these three chapters. Chapters 12, 13, 14, just again. 1 Corinthians, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Paul in this section. Uh, I mean, overall, the, the, the topic is going to be over the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Or not the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit. And, and the need for this really isn't, Paul doesn't come out and say, hey, here's a problem, we're going to address it. But as it goes through, really, the problem is they're not handling the gifts very well. Matter of fact, the focus that they all seem to have is upon one gift, and it's speaking in tongues. So, so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that, especially when we get to uh, chapter 14, we're going to talk about the, the speaking in tongues part and, and why the Corinthians were having so much trouble. In this, today, we're actually dealing with Paul's beginning remarks over this whole topic, and I think it's foundational. I think Paul addresses some key truths concerning these gifts, so I want us to pay attention. Man, if there's one thing we need within the church, and that is the activity, the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Isn't that right? So this is an important, important, important passage. And again, this is introductory, but key truths concerning these gifts. So listen, I'm going to read the first seven verses. Mike, sorry about that. Just cut it off at seven. Uh, we're going to go on up here, but later on, I'm going to pick up the rest of the verses. But first of all, let's read chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Here's what Paul says. He says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We're going to continue on as we get into this sermon, but I want to stop here. Uh, again, foundational truths are, are located here in, in what Paul is saying. Foundational for us to understand the very working of the Holy Spirit and how He is working within us. Now he is talking to a church, and we know the Corinthians by now. If you've been with us on this journey... The Corinthians were, at least we could say they're immature, they're needing correction, and they're definitely needing guidance. I wonder if we fit in those categories, do you think? <laughs> I, I, I believe Ronnie Roberts needs some correction, and he needs guidance, and I look for that all the time. And we as a congregation, that's where our focus ought to be. Guidance. Correction if needed, but definitely, Lord, help us understand your spirit. Are you with me on that? 
Help us understand your spirit so we could make the most of what God has given to us for this life. Here we go. Uh, definitely want to make this point throughout that we're not left alone. We're not left alone to accomplish all that God has called us to do. So let's start here. First of all, those who are in Jesus have received the Holy Spirit. Very foundational. Matter of fact, the Corinthians are already there. Uh, those who have received Christ receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He, he actually begins by reminding the Corinthians where they came from, where they were prior to, to receiving Christ, prior to receiving the Holy Spirit. Here's where they were. He reminds them that you, you were in your pagan lives, godless. We could say godless. Godless lives. He said, in those godless lives, you were being influenced and led astray by mute idols. That's verse 2. Uh, idols, well, saying mute idols, we're not really getting any kind of instruction or any kind of lead from these idols. Because why? Because they're made of stone or wood and they're made into images. And yet... Somehow they were being influenced and led astray by these idols. It, it does remind me, well, actually in, in, in studying about the Corinthians and, and so what some of their worship looked like, that the way it was described, that they would have ecstatic utterances. You know, they would get themselves worked up and, and they would be making noises or that, that some might even you know, you wonder if it, it was kind of similar to speaking in tongues when it was chaotic when it was chaotic and, and so keep that in mind because we're going to get to that later but but here's the image I got when I, I read that and thought well that's that's what's going on with the church it might have been like the the prophets of Baal uh, in the Old Testament when Elijah challenged them remember the story where Elijah said okay we're gonna we're gonna build altars we're gonna lay our meat upon it but but we're not gonna light it we're going to cry out to our gods to, to, to consume the sacrifice, right? Uh, Elijah did it, and, and God you know, torched the, everything, the stones and, and everything, the water. He kind of mocked him with. But the prophets of Baal, when, when their, god, you know, their god that was no god at all would not respond by not even a spark to light their, their sacrifice, they began crying out, wailing, and, and cutting themselves. Maybe part of that wailing has, has got to be because no one's listening. <laughs> I don't know. But that, that's the image that came into my mind that might have been part of the pagan practices. Now, it is through the Holy Spirit that the Corinthians came to know Jesus. Or, through Paul's testimony. I mean, Holy Spirit working through Paul. But also, uh, it says in chapter 2 of Corinthians that... that um, that the Holy Spirit brought them into understanding what God had freely given to them. It's what we practice every week. That the, the release or, or no longer being con under the condemnation of sin through Christ, it's what we understand. We, we attained that same place through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is, is that, that activity within your heart that, that brings conviction of your sinfulness. That, that calls you to make the move. That has brought you to the place of believing in Jesus. It's His activity. Everything about our salvation is God-directed. Uh, his Word, His Spirit, and, and, and us coming to this place of believing is, is definitely through what the Holy Spirit has been doing in our lives. Now, uh, in, in verse 3, 
Paul makes it clear that it, it is in G, or they they now through Christ or through the Holy Spirit speak uh, in their relationship with Christ. Now they are speaking through the Holy Spirit. Excuse me for that. I, I think I lost an hour of sleep this morning. So please please be patient with me. <laughs> Anyway, verse 3 says, and, and he's, he, here it is, he's still saying, here's where you were and here's where you are. In verse 3 it says, therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. Unable to call a curse upon Jesus. It might be something that in their pagan lives they were used to. They might have been laying out curses on Jesus. Laying out curses on anyone except for their uh, the, the gods that they were observing. But now, he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Uh, there again is the activity of the Holy Spirit. Man, I think uh, it is significant uh, of what Paul is saying here. Let me bring this out. Uh, especially when you think about uh, that, that idea of Jesus is Lord. You know, are, are we just talking about a voice that speaks about, you know, well, a number of people could just say, oh, just say this, and they could repeat it. But could they say it and, and make it a part of the content of their life? You see, I, I believe that the believers during this time were under a lot of trouble because of even that statement, Jesus is Lord. I understand this, understand this. For them to say Jesus is Lord, actually, if we translated it as it's laid out in the Greek, it was his, the Lord is Jesus. Which we say, well, what's the difference? But the significance is this, because especially for the Jews during that time, that word Lord or Kyrios meant Yahweh to them. Uh, it, it was one and the same. You were saying Yahweh. You were saying Jehovah. And for any Jew to be able to say that the Lord or, or Yahweh is Jesus, it, it was blasphemy. It was blasphemy. It, it would enrage any Jew. Tell you honestly, it would enrage any pagan as well who worshiped their gods. And had you come along and say, well, no, your gods are nothing, you didn't even have to include it. All you had to say was, Jesus is the true Lord. He is the true God of all things. It's a power, it was a powerful statement in that time. It is a powerful statement in this day and age as well. To say that he rules. He rules. And people need to know that he rules. And that is the focus of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. I, I want to move on to the, the second point. Not only we're given this gift of the Holy Spirit, but there's a reason for it. There's an activity of his working within us. We are given the Holy Spirit so that we can function as His body, as the body of Jesus Christ. To continue, I always thought about it this, all, through, all throughout, this is thinking that Jesus left, and He left His apostles. He left the church to continue this, this work of God in this world. Jesus taught us to pray what? May your kingdom come, may your will be done. That's a disciple's prayer. That's people who are actively saying, Lord, we want what, what you desire to be happening in this world. May it happen. Your will. And, and, and when you pray that, I think the first place it needs to take place is right here, right? Lord, let me understand. It's all about your will, not my will. Right? It's all about your will, not my will, and I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. That's part of that prayer. Um, there is... 
uh, Paul, Paul makes a simple point, which I think was very significant. If, if I could go back and say, remember, I, we're already believing that one of the problems the Corinthians are having is it's all about speaking in tongues. It's all about speaking in tongues, which he's going to address in 14. But when you're thinking about all this singular power of the Holy Spirit working in the church, Paul makes this important point of saying that there is diversity in gifts. There's all kinds of gifts. There's numerous gifts that the church needs to understand that's coming. Here's, here's how he says it, verse 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Listen to, listen to who, dis, who does the distributing. First of all, the Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same uh, but the same spirit, good grief. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There we go. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it is the same God at work. Each one, there, I mean, there's a variety, and well, okay, there's works, there's, there's service, there's that. And, and really, I mean, we're going to explain that later, but I think it's valuable to look what he says. He says, Spirit, Lord. And God that brings it out. One of the characteristics of God, if, if we look, and even as we, we've learned about what we call the Trinity, we think, man, there's a diversity in God, isn't there? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and the way each works, we see God in the Old Testament, predominantly in the Old Testament, Jesus in the Gospels coming into this world, Holy Spirit, who, who Jesus had to leave to bring on the Holy Spirit. And, and there's a diversity in God. And yet it's the three in what? In one. Hey, there's only one God. Absolutely. And it's the three existing in one. Now, the same kind of work is, is being worked out in the church. Numerous people. And numerous people. And, and, and along with numerous people, there are a variety of gifts that the Holy Spirit works through. And, and, and yet it is all coming from one source. One source. It is coming from God. It is, it is directed by God. So it's important for us to understand that if, if God is working within the body, it is one that ought to be fashioning unity. Right? It ought to be fashioning and working through unity. Now, let, let me move on. Well, matter of fact, I don't want to skip this part because I think this is the most important part. As, as, as the Holy Spirit is bringing out these, these gifts, in verse 7 it says, The Holy Spirit is manifested within each one. Each one is giving the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It, it doesn't say each one is given the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It changes the term here, and I think it's significant. Because the focus isn't on us. The, the focus isn't on the ones who are receiving the gift. It's really focusing its attention upon the giver of the gift. That, that this manifestation is, is the working of the Holy Spirit, which is going to be revealed through us. I, I do believe, and that's just a start. There's other places where we could talk about, man, there's some self-centeredness going on around, around the Corinthians and their giftedness. There, there's some, it's, you know, it's almost feel pretty good about yourself so if, if you're able to speak in tongues or if you're able to heal or do other things. Man, you start feeling pretty good about yourself. 
I, I think Paul is clear that, hey, this is all about what God is doing through you. Because what's important is he deserves a praise. <laughs> if this manifestation, if there is something God is working in you, he deserves a praise. He deserves a recognition. Matter of fact, bottom line, I believe this is, this is the, the, the ultimate work of the Holy Spirit. And we've already done that in, in verse 4. And it's this, to clearly identify that Jesus is Lord. You clearly identify that Jesus is Lord, and there is no other. So it's, it's identified in our language. Hey, I'll make that claim. Jesus is Lord. There is no other. Jesus is Lord. But even through the work of the church, the Holy Spirit gives us manifestations. His working through us that ultimately the church is doing what? Declaring together What? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, do I act a little surprised? Thank you for answering. <laughs> but, but as, I, I mean, the working of the Holy Spirit ultimately wants to bring that to, to this community, to this nation, to this world. Are you with me? That is the ultimate person. It's not to edify, you know, me and to build me up as I receive a gift. Woohoo, look at me. I mean, a lot of narcissistic things going on in this world right now, but not in the church. Not in the church. Not from the pulpit. Not from, from what we're doing to, to make us feel better about ourselves. It's about, it's about what the Holy Spirit is doing in us to reveal Jesus as the Lord of all that the world will know. I want to move on. Here, here are the, the spiritual gifts. Again, I said that there are numerous gifts. And matter of fact, as Paul lays out, we're just going to read this here in just a second. But as Paul lays out these different gifts, understand that in Romans, in Ephesians, and, and matter of fact, other books as well, are listed other gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, one of those here in, in Corinthians has been celibacy. Paul called that a gift, uh, that, that someone was able to, to just focus upon the Lord and not have a mate. He called that a gift. So, so the gifts are numerous. What, what I'm about to read is not Paul's exhaustive lift of, this is all the gifts, where do you fit in? It's not. So, so keep that in mind as we read this. Again, another reason why it's not an exhaustive list is because the focus isn't upon us and our gifts. The focus is upon you know, for Paul is saying, hey, all these gifts, it comes from one source. Remember that. So let's, let's pick up in verse 8. Listen to what he says. He says, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking, to, uh, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one as He, as he determines. Paul 
Paul lays these out. And, and, and even as you listen to him, there's, there's a, a part of those gifts that are given in the distributing or the, the spreading of that message. You know, it's, it's that idea of wisdom. It's that idea of knowledge. Uh, even that idea of pro- prophecy, what, what the declaring from God is being made. Uh, the, the idea of, of the, the miraculous gifts are in here. I mean, the healing, uh, even the, the gift of, of faith, the, 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 you know, which has to be extraordinary. Because in, in one part, I have to say, we're all supposed to have faith. But per- perhaps one of those is saying, man, there's a places of extraordinary faith where people are going through mo- some of the most difficult circumstances. They're able to stand through it. I, I don't know whether my faith has been tested to the extreme of some of the martyrs that, that have faced in this world. I hope to have that kind of faith with genuinely having to be faced with it. I'm ready to stand for Christ. But I could say that all day until it happens. Are you with me on that? You understand? Uh, but each one is extraordinary, extraordinary miracles are, that are actually gifts that are working within us through the Holy Spirit. And the question that everybody's going to ask is, what, what, what about today? Big question mark about today. And there is a, a theology, a teaching that goes out there that, that basically all the gifts have ceased. You know, they're saying after the apostles, after all the miraculous things we see in Acts, it just ceased and just didn't continue on. I, and I, I will just be honest with you, I've always had trouble. I sat under professors who told me that this, but they never could re- really bring forth a scripture that identifies that. That, that just says, okay, at this time it's going to stop. There's nowhere, I mean, there's some, some places where they believe that takes place. If, if anything, maybe, and perhaps this might be our problem. It, maybe, maybe, the, the, you know, maybe the problem comes out with a bunch of churches that continue to misuse these gifts. Part of the misuse might be not, not applying them, <laughs> Right? I mean, that might be part of it, or it might be, as in the other extreme, as manufacturing some of the gifts. You know what I mean by that? Uh, Manufacturing gifts. I've I've seen a number of faith healers on TV padding their pockets with bucks and, and claiming to heal people. And it's, I will tell you, they, they will stand before God someday and, and answer to that. Really will. We're, we're not looking for fabricating a gift of God here or a gift of the Holy Spirit. We're not looking for that. But, but we want to be genuine. Hey, if the Lord chooses one of us to do something miraculous, amen to that. I'm not going to step in the way. Matter of fact, I, we have to believe this, that God is able and he continues to work through every believer. What does that look like? There are some of those things. I mean, does, does uh, uh, faith healing mean, man, absolutely, directly, a complete, total restoration? Or does it have maybe that heart of the person, like our Tuesday morning ladies who, who go before the Lord and pray for those individuals? Is that part of the activity of healing today? Or maybe it's the, the individual who goes into the room where someone is really suffering and gives comfort and, and encourages and, and prays for. I, is that part of the healing? Hey, the thing is, is we need to be active. <laughs> uh, 
and, and, and find out, you know, I mean, pursuing the miraculous, I don't think. I, I don't think that's even necessary. I think our pursuit is, is a continued pursuit of Jesus in my life, a continued pursuit of, of this, of seeking to serve, finding that place to serve, finding that place where, where my heart is drawn to. I believe the Holy Spirit's involved in that. What, what I've been skilled or trained to do, where can I serve? Where can I be a part? In the last verse there, verse 11, he says that he gives as he determines. It's also interesting that later on we're going to see a place where it says, it actually calls for people, hey, look for the greater gifts. So, so is it okay, is it, man, to pursue some gifts, pray for some gifts? I, I think as we get to chapter 13, absolutely. There's something that we are pursuing, something that we're growing in. And I, I really believe that uh, uh, this passage today really comes to the place of calling us to action. Hey, I, I, to me, it, it, it calls us to action. Are, are, have you found a place to minister? Have you found, and I'm not talking about just here, boy, as long as you're working here, or you found a place where, where perhaps you are serving in your, your neighborhood or serving in your community. It could be one of those things like the pregnancy service center or, or the open door or the food pantry. Uh, perhaps you found a place of ministry in one of those, and amen to that. Let the Holy Spirit use you in, in your work. Uh, here, here's where we are as a church. And I don't know whether we've done real well to help the church in identifying and in encouraging you. I do think from the pulpit we often say, find that place to minister, and then we go on and really don't give you opportunities. I don't know. I think we give you opportunities, but we, you pretty much have to speak up. You know what I mean? Here recently we announced this is our identity as a church. Ready? Remember what that was back in January? Our identity in, as, as a church is this, that we are fostering the family of God. We are fostering, we want to foster the family. That means build up the church. And, and to be able to do that, I want to be clear on this. This is, man, if, if you get anything, if we're going to be able to be a church that fosters the family of God, help us to grow, help us to, to, to be involved and, and working as the church, as God designed it, then absolutely the Holy Spirit has to be involved. Absolutely. Absolutely the Holy Spirit is going to be involved if we're going to be about what God wants us to do. I don't know about you, but I want to be about what God wants us to do. I want to accomplish what God has called us to do. Are you with me? Isn't that right? It, and, and God did not call us to show up on Sunday from this time to this time and then go home and do whatever until next Sunday. You know, it, it's not just about church services on Sunday morning. It, it has everything to do with your neighborhood. It has everything to, to do with the people that you're around every week. It has everything to do with your family. And how you're raising them has everything to do with that spouse or your, your family as a whole. You know, the brothers and sisters and, and cousins and, and, and what you're doing there. How you're representing Him. Fostering the family of God. It's, it, it is our focus. And, and we, myself as a leader, I know Matthew and, and Eric and our elders want to 
uh, just just sharpen ourselves and how we are challenging our congregation and, and, and building them up. I, I want to give a couple examples already before us of what's happening team-wise. Long time ago, I really started talking about teams. We, you know, we need teams of people to, to connect people in the congregation to get involved. And I can honestly say that just, you know, we've had a couple of teams that, that have uh, been ongoing and building. Missions team is one of those. And worship team, boy, they're active because it's an every week thing. But, but here recently, we've seen more teams growing and, and actually just, the best way I put it is igniting. And, and that, it, it, one was represented in the video we saw at the beginning, Care and Compassion Team. And, and about the time that we were forming this, this, this idea of fostering the family of God, they had this idea. And actually, uh, and, and whether this was a spirit of wisdom that was speaking to the team, I, I had someone come to me, and I believe Jan said it in the video, that, that it's not the team's responsibility to do all the care and compassion. Are you, you understand what I'm saying? It's not the team's responsibility to do all the care and compassion, but it's the care and compassion's team to ignite the church to do just that. And, and that's why they talk about the poster down the hallway and say, hey man, if you've done it, and I know that's, a, that's something for encouragement, to be looking at that. I mean, if, if you've encouraged someone in the church or in the community or whatever to take those, that little emblem, it's just to give a visual to say, we as a church are actively involved in and, and, and caring and being compassionate. You know, it's just something that we see on the wall, but it ought to be something that we are actively engaged in. Caring for one another. Being compassionate for one another. And spreading it out beyond these walls to our neighborhoods. Right? That's where the Holy Spirit's going to go. That's where He needs to go. And the message that we have for the community. Also, connection team. Uh, it's another. If you've been noticing, uh, the back corner there around the, the welcome center is, has been changing, you know, and it's, it was building up. And early on, they were asking me, well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And, and my answer has always been the same. I said, I, I don't know what it's going to look like. It, it looks fine so far. I said, but I think it is absolutely beautiful. And this is the reason why. I want you to listen. I want you to understand this because I meant every word of it. It is the most beautiful thing in this building to me right now because there are active hearts building and, and involved in a ministry. I, it's, it's not that they just wanted to decorate the church. Please understand that. What they wanted to do was to, to engage this congregation on actually connecting. What I'm talking about is ministering. That's where it began. That's, that's the very words I... They didn't say, well, hey, let's put up a, a team. Okay, we'll do that. It was all about connecting. And all of a sudden, I saw these cups come up. And it has this great phrase on it. It says, fostering the family of God. And on the other side, it, it has the church information. And they got pins, and they're ready to give guests. They're, 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 hey, they're using their God-given gift as hosts to, to make people feel welcome as they come and connect them. To the body. I love the beginnings. I love what's happening. I don't know what the end conclusion, what it's going to look like, but it is beautiful to me because it's ministry. It's ministry. And plus, I'm not a decoration person. I'm, I'm going to miss it all day long. I'm going to, 
what, what's beautiful about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the connected hearts. I, I believe it's the Holy Spirit involved. Are, are you with me? I, I want these teams to be people who are praying, who are connecting with the Holy Spirit, and, and being involved in such a way that it's not just about decorating. It's all about doing that ministry about making people feel welcome, bringing people in. And there's other, other things that are happening in other uh, different kinds of ministries. But, but I want you to get an, an understanding of what's happening. Each of these teams has the opportunity to grow more people. And, and, and then we go beyond the corner to begin to say, well, how do we connect with our community? See, these teams could grow. And, and I know they've, already, they've got so many ideas. My head is just drowning with all everything they're talking about. And I love it. I love it because I think that's what the church engaged, when the church as a whole are engaged in ministry and thinking, how is it we do church here, not only here, but in our community? How do I do church in my neighborhood? And I'm not talking about set up a pews in your driveway. And, but how do you just live Jesus? How do you just live Jesus in this area? And, and when you are concerned about that, I can guarantee the Holy Spirit's involved. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is Lord. There are, you know, there, there are those on the, you know, on the outside, you know, just on the edges and things like that. But it really requires just getting involved, finding that place and that ministry. I want to read 7 one more time, uh, just because I don't want to leave the, the great conclusion in that, which is real simple. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Through one Spirit, we work together to accomplish good. We, we actually work together to accomplish what God calls us to. And, and it really is simply two things. It is the growth and maturity of every believer that's connected. The growth and maturity of each of you, of me. That's part of the work of the church. So we're growing, we're maturing, we're coming into an understanding of His Word and loving His Spirit and loving His Son who gave us this wonderful grace. Through His death gave us this grace. And it is also winning the lost. As we come into maturity and we're living, not just speaking about Jesus as Lord, we're living that in our life. It's, it, it's foundational. It's everything that we are. We're changing our community. Uh, we're, we're challenging our community with those words, Jesus is Lord. And, and that's what is going to make a difference for church, right? Listen, we are not alone. <laughs> I'm so thankful that we don't have to do this alone. Not facing the difficulties of this world, an unrighteous world, we're called to, as righteous people to live in this unrighteousness, live in this unholiness, and it is difficult. And, and we're called to do some amazing things. You know, go up against the beast, uh, the evil things of this world. How can we do that? Even, even together as people, how do we do that? Except God said that he has is, he is clearly given to us his Holy Spirit. Does that mean that we're going to go unhurt and, and never face difficulties? Absolutely not. Actually, when we understand we're being given the Holy Spirit... The idea is we have the, the boldness and the strength to say, because God is with us, we're going to charge ahead. We're going to accomplish what he's called us to do. We are not alone. 
And I, th- I believe that when we are confident of what God is doing uh, through the Holy Spirit, through His Word, through His Son, Jesus, that we are, are going to be strengthened to accomplish exactly what God called us to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. We praise you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to, to examine your word, to know, Lord, what is so foundational concerning what you've done through your Holy Spirit, what you continue to do through your Holy Spirit. It's to engage our hearts, and it, it is to absolutely affect those around us. It's not about us, but it is absolutely about those around us. Some who need to hear about Jesus, some who need to be encouraged, some who need to be built up. We are working as that body that Paul then comes to mention next. Lord, help us to be that body of Jesus Christ, being effective and working in the world today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.